Layoffs are an unfortunate reality in today's market, and impacted workers can spend days, weeks, or even months looking for a new role. After submitting hundreds of resumes into the void, maybe it's time to try something new. This is The Layoff Podcast. everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the layoff podcast i am your host marissa alonzo ackerman and i'm excited of course because today we have the pleasure of sitting with another job seeker um, as you know our platform is geared to bridge the gap between job seekers recruiters and companies our whole idea is to share the stories of job seekers that are affected by layoffs in the hopes that they get in front of the right companies in the right way, right time. And so, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm have the pleasure of sitting with the job seeker today. Her name is Smita Phillip. And I want to go ahead and let you intro yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself right off the bat and give you the floor, Smita. Perfect. Marissa, thank you so much for this opportunity. I have been a technical recruiter now for 10 years, believe it or not. I also have been able to support a lot of other industries and different business units. So I'm versatile. (laughs) I've helped a lot of organizations make great hires, get a lot of revenue. And, um, you know, I'm excited to help another org when that opportunity comes up to keep my skills up and, you know, move up in the organization. And I'm with you right now to discuss the uh, perils of job seeking in today's day. (laughs) Yes, it is wild, as we were discussing it beforehand, you know, just everything out there i want to say what really drew me especially to you i think you have a great sense of humor of it which is great but you also bring up great points if you ever get a chance which hopefully whether you want to hire or you just want to follow her and commiserate or connect the network uh Samita has a great linkedin profile and lots of great posts and like she said you know she has a background in recruiting so this is not foreign to you and the whole concept of like what's happening. I guess we could start with that question and then kind of go from there. Are you seeing things that are really big call-outs right away as you're going through the process yourself as a job seeker? Yes. So some of the posts like you have seen, one of them is question of salary expectations. And in certain states, I know in California, it is a legal requirement to put the salary down. And for me, being a recruiter, we want to be transparent. And when orgs don't follow compliance, I can tell you literally every single mm. org is out of compliance right now. We don't know what that number is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what, what do you want me to do? Because cost of living here in California is really expensive, okay? Renting an apartment is upwards of $2,500. Groceries yeah. are very expensive. Organizations are, are asking questions like, salary expectation, that's an implicit bias because if we have to guess this number, who knows what it is? Is it 70K? Is it 50K? Is it a dollar? Like who knows? And this is a way to like, I guess, pre-screen candidates. And I'm finding it to be really, really unfair because again, they're not following compliance. Where's the salary? It's, It's a requirement. Why isn't this up here? And to kind of go on that, if you've noticed a lot of job descriptions in the past would have a disclaimer for certain states that required yes. salary transparency. Where are they? Have mm. you seen any job descriptions like that lately? And my understanding now, what I'm gathering from that being in this industry is they're all out of compliance and this is not working anymore. Yeah. I mean, that is so much to unpack there because I do see that as a job seeker myself, right? I used to see disclaimers like that. I will say some of them I, that I've seen and I mean, God, I don't even know 
like when that was because I'm a blur like everyone else. I'm like putting applications out there. At this point, people are playing it in two different ways, right? I have one gentleman, uh, Thomas Joseph was talking about intentionality, which I think is great. You know, that strategy, I hope it works for him. And I would love to see that strategy be, you know, realistic in this setting. I also kind of play devil's advocate, say like, it's hard because we want to be intentional. We want to be strategic. But if everyone's doing that, it's like hard to do because you're not going to find those roles that you're looking for. Hey, I, I don't know. It's to me, it feels like, which way do I go? If, exactly. You know, like, what do I do? Should I play the game of law of averages? Should I be more <laughs> intentional? Should I just, you know, everyone's saying, no, don't spray and pray for job seekers. And, you know, everyone, everything's on job seekers. Or, or is it just me that kind of feels that way? <laughs> No, no, you're absolutely correct, Marissa. Um, just today, I saw another post where someone had posted about if you're going to hire someone and you need to micromanage them, and if you can't trust them, why did you hire them? Okay, first of all, not all subordinate, subordinate talent is bad talent. Why aren't yeah. we talking about leadership? A lot of leaderships, I've seen people in leadership positions, like, how did you get to this role? And yes. you know, they are out of compliance. They are not they can't trust themselves. Let's just put it like that. Because I commented on that and I was like, why aren't we talking about management? Why are we mm. always talking about talent that was hired and never management? And a lot of the reason is people have been placed in management roles for a business need as opposed to a career need for the person who wants to be in that. And that's wow. where a lot of failure happens. Okay. There may be people who are in SDM roles or a software development management role because of a business need. Was it what they wanted? And at the end of the day, if they're not able to do what they love, which is coding or, you know, system design or whatever it is, but they're over here managing a team, performance is going to go down and they are going to lose trust in their team because they themselves are not performing. And this is kind of like, if you want it done right, do it yourself type of thing. Yes. I think that is what <laughs> is bothering a lot of these managers and nobody is actually quantifying the measure the skills of these managers to say, why are you lacking trust in your team? It's not a team issue. It's a them issue. And I think yeah. because when we do these hires based on business needs, we're throwing people there just for the sake of throwing people there. We're not really assessing if they're the right fit for the role. And that's where all this trust issues and performance issues come up and we really need to stop blaming job seekers or people who are actually doing the work and look at upper management like what is going on here seriously i'm not hating on them yeah this is like, what is happening you guys let's have a really open conversation so we can fix this absolutely and i think several episodes we've referenced that you know it, it starts it actually is top down you know it starts at the top and we as workers are just kind of fulfilling the mission, fulfilling the goals, fulfilling the tasks that you have assigned to us to get you to that point. But if you're shifting Correct. strategies, if you don't know what you want, you don't know or understand your own position that maybe you created for yourself a bit, you know, that trickles downwards, you know, yes, it trickles down in a does. way. And, and it's unfair to workers, to job seekers. And I think a lot of what I've seen on LinkedIn, especially it's like this, we're also burnt out recruiters are asking us, oh, you need to do X, Y, Z. You know, if you really wanted to be seen, you should be doing all these things. And I'm like, but at the same time, why is this all on me <laughs> on this side? You know, so that's yeah, exactly. And I, and to kind of trail, I didn't mean to cut you off the trail no, off on okay. that is why is it that when they want us to have 25 different resumes, tailor it to this? Yeah. 
My situation from what I've understood is a lot of hiring managers cannot articulate the actual need that their team needs. Okay. Mm. They put the job description writing on recruiters or they're going to copy and paste job descriptions. Look, I made a post about that too. This is so 1999. We need to stop doing this. <laughs> if as a hiring manager, you don't know the needs of your team and we're sitting here accumulating four or 500 or even four or 5,000 resumes and we're not finding the right talent, it's not the talent pool that is the problem. I'm going to come back and keep saying this. This is an yeah. issue where do the hiring managers or does leadership know what they are looking to resolve? Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, these delays really do impact the bottom line. And if companies have products to deliver, we are their end customers. I'm going to be mad if I don't get my product when they say they are, or if it's not exactly. going to perform the way they say. And these delays, they do impact that at the end of the day. It impacts your bottom line, regardless of how you want to spin it. And you know what? When leaders are not aligned with their team or organization's needs, it, like you said, it trickles down and somehow it's our fault. But see, this is like a guessing game. And I think yeah. we have a better chance of winning the lotto than trying to figure out what they're trying to do at this point. Yes. Because who knows? Who knows? This is like the blind leading the blind. It is. We were talking about it even before. It's like burnout is rampant. We all have already said, well, none of this is working. And yet we're still doing it. Yes, AI's come out. But that's just another way to like, digitize and inhumanize the experience again. So I like it. I'm hopeful that would maybe change it in a way, but then I'm also hesitant because I already see digitization of everything that's going on. Absolutely. But AI is only as good as a person who trains it. Mm. So why aren't we talking about that? Because without someone to train it, AI is just another, it's just sitting there. Cool. We have to train it. You have so much technical <laughs> knowledge, which I guess obviously is aligned to what you, you've done. Are you looking to stay in techno, technical recruiting? Are you looking to branch out? What is that? What is like the goal for you going forward? So I think the misconception in recruiting is if you're in one industry, you stick to that industry. I've done technical, I've done enterprise, I've done healthcare, I've done education, I've done localization, I've done logistics, I've done marketing. The art of recruiting is hmm. going to be very significant to each industry. And just because maybe I don't have extensive healthcare doesn't mean I don't know anything about healthcare. I know there's like three perfusion nurses in the whole t entire United States that every healthcare organization is looking after. I know that there's a lot of marketing and PR roles that need to be filled, but they're not asking the right questions. And really understanding the art of recruiting, you can apply it to any industry. It's not a limitation to just tech or healthcare or anything. If you know how to talk to people, if you know how to search, if and the other thing is, Getting back to my point, if the hiring manager knows yeah. the problem they need to solve and it's in the job description, we can take an intake form, get the information that we need and boom, go source. It is really not that hard. And I'm really open to anything because I've done animal and health and human health care. I've done education, special education needs, enterprise, meaning from interns to VP levels. And all of them are different. You can't apply the same concept. And that is knowing the art of recruiting. If you know the art of recruiting, you can apply it to any industry. And I think these organizations are very much limiting the type of recruiters they want because, oh, they didn't do AI or, oh, they didn't do AR, VR. Actually, we yeah. did. And you're not reading our resumes. Yes. 
And I think that's so valid because I actually just had a, a previous conversation with someone who's trying to break out of university recruiting. They have been trying to get into different industries. They would love to actually move upward, right? But we right. were actually talking about how, you know, you try to get into like a management role, but they ask that you have management experience or something. You're like, well, how am I supposed to get management experience? Because I'm actually not, you know, I'm like, that's what I'm actually trying to do. Or I'm trying to- And they stop you from it. Exactly. And it's just wild because if you're really, if we are supposed to be really focused on skills, traits, back, outside of just the background, where you've been, you know, what companies you've worked for, then it doesn't seem like that's what we're doing currently. It's very picky and choosy. And I think what I've seen prior to this happen is anyone from any industry could have gotten into a FANG organization. As you see, these organizations yeah. have thousands of recruiters. They come from so many different backgrounds, whether they're super excellent recruiters or even subpar recruiters. I've seen them in FANG. Why is it the same concept being applied? Why is, where is the equal opportunity in this? Yes. You know what I mean? Where is the equal opportunity? Because if you guys, if these orgs have all these great products to put out, they're limiting us to certain areas and then denying us this, you know, the opportunity to come and work with them. I could tell you, I applied to a gaming organization here in the Bay Area. I think they have multiple hubs in the West Coast. And what they told me was I'm not the kind of recruiter that they need, which didn't make any sense because yeah. my, the, the last organization I've done, AI, ML, AR, VR, even at Amazon, we have to learn a little bit of AI, ML. We have to question these the talent that comes in. And it's like, yeah. how would you know that I'm incapable of doing this just by looking at my resume? My yeah. resume is just a snapshot of this is what I've done. Come and talk to me. Exactly. They're not bother to talk to any of us because whatever. And the other thing is how many times am I going to tailor my resume to say the same thing? A hundred percent. I a hundred percent feel you. And I'm like, I get it. There are platforms now, right. That are supposed to make it easier. Chat GPT, whatever the case may be but i my thing is like why am i expected to make 30 different resumes exactly. have conversations with, with you like you said it's a snapshot of where i've been where i yep. acquired skills but it doesn't tell you who i am what i could bring to the table just so one-sided so you know like it you is. guys have to do this and sorry you're not getting paid to do any of this crazy work that goes into making 25 yeah. resumes or what have you. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, we are literally guessing what these organizations want. Do we read between the lines on the job description? They tell us to go network with hiring managers. Okay. I did that. That's a bunch of BS. Yeah. They don't have time. They're not sitting on LinkedIn like recruiters are or how job seekers are mm -hmm. trying to connect and network when we're all in the same boat. Okay, great. I get it. You know, network strength and networking. However, if we're all in the same boat, how are we solving the problem? This isn't solving the issue where, oh, you need to do this, this, why? This is coming from yeah. the top, like you said, right? Why isn't anyone asking leadership what the F is going on? I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> this is the, a real podcast in that way in that it is true. I comment thing that keeps coming up from all the job seekers that I've talked to where they said it's vagueness, it, they don't know what they want, it's this should have been something they put on hold. No one's going to judge you for putting something on hold if you don't actually know what it exactly. is that you're wanting to do. There's no judgment exactly. there. It's actually, you're saving our time. Respect our time too is I think what people, at the end of the day, I think the respect is lacking when it comes to like for job seekers, especially where, hey, we're the ones, we're not getting paid to do all this. We're, we're trying to work. We all want to work. People are literally begging to work. Exactly. Um, people are leaving their homes and everything, like you said. 
Yes. And it's almost like people are getting insensitive, right? They're like, well, that, you know, that's terrible. You were in the hospital. Well, you know, fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole, exactly. The whole gap situation. Like they're finding every single reason to not want to hire qualified talent. And I'm going to tell you one of the things and we're going to circle back a little bit was the salary. Like yes. they said, they want to put expect, they ask us for expected salary, but it's a legal requirement for you to state it anyway. Why are we playing this guessing game? I mean, come on, we're adults, right? This is like first grade, you know, oh, who kissed who type of thing. And it's really, <laughs> it's really like, like, yeah. And it's like, tell, be, be transparent. And the lack of transparency from these organizations, which I can tell you, it wasn't like this pre-pandemic. Everybody had knowledge of everything, Glassdoor, you know, there were, we had a lot of communication with upper management. People were more active on LinkedIn. You don't see that anymore. All I yeah. see on LinkedIn are recruiters like me complaining and job applicants complaining. Yeah. Where's management? Where's all of that? You know, here's a solution. We found what was wrong with our recruiting. Come and apply now. I've never seen an org be accountable for their mistakes and it's mm -hmm. quite obvious, as I said, they are really out of compliance right now. And it's appalling. I don't understand. I really like who, who made this up. I don't either, because another thing we were touching on just before we like got into this conversation was that Warren Act, which we were talking about, like, I didn't really have a lot of knowledge of. You did a little bit, but, you know, right. granted, and I think people maybe have a vague idea of what it is, but it's not something that is introduced to you ever <laughs> organically in any way. And I also feel like it's not something that is actually enforced at this point. If you're not enforcing compliance, if you're not enforcing the act, if you're, I mean, it's a lawless world it we is. live in for job placement. And, and it's like, to me, I'm like, what does this say? What, do you feel, not that we're experts or anything about economics or anything like that, but do Correct. you feel like it's a little smooth out? What is your feelings? So when I initially got laid off last year in October, there were no recruiting or talent acquisition positions. A lot of the ops roles in sales included, they've all been terminated, right? And then uh, I can tell you the last couple of weeks, I am seeing opportunities. However, they're very limited in the sense mm -hmm. where they're in the Midwest or they're in the East Coast or they're in Canada. What about the mm. West Coast? I haven't seen a lot of their, Google's right here in my backyard, Facebook, a lot of mm. companies are here. Are they hiring? Like, what is their ops budget at this point? Because, and this is my argument, they recruiting and sales are always the first to get kicked out, but recruiting and sales are always the first to represent the organization. Exactly. So make sense for me, right? So yes. I'm seeing a lot of these remote roles salaries are really terrible. Okay. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There might be people who can survive on 70 K as an entry level, but for someone like me, or, you know, even my mm -hmm. husband who's laid off, we can't survive on 70 K. Yeah. We've got mortgages, we have payments, we have things, you know, we have a family to take care of. And that salary I can tell you is going to keep you in the negative in the bank account because you're just oh, you're never able to, you know what I You'll mean? You'll never catch up. <laughs> never will and it's just this endless cycle of stress like i'm telling you i'm going bald already so oh, it's like we were just talking really, about all this stuff. Right? <laughs> right but what what i want to say is i know for orgs their major thing is having great stock having really high stock prices okay but who is also contributing to that it's not just the c-suites it's all of us and we are getting 
the ass end of everything. And it's not, it's not fair. It's not working anymore. Um, like you said, the trickle down, it's, mm -hmm. it's a really outdated concept. We need to fix this. And I hope things are changing because I am seeing opportunities coming up, but again, they're far and few. Like yeah. I see them in LA or I see them in Washington or even Oregon, but what about the Bay area where everything is literally headquartered? There is not a single job that I can see from a FANG organization or even a gaming company or anything where, okay, there's talent here that we can definitely apply to. And when those jobs do come up, there's like 5,000 applications, whether they're clicks or applicants, that number is absurd either way. Yeah. And that also, to me, also signals for people like myself, like you are in the Bay Area where a lot of that tech landscape lives. And if you are struggling then that signals to me that someone like myself who is in Texas, I'm remote. I don't even live near a tech no hub like Austin or anything like that. Right. I rely on remote work. I'm actually at this point, I'm like, I can go in an office. I might not even be in this sector. But unfortunately, right. that also means like there's not a lot, you know, they look at your skill set. They're like, you were in software for so long or what have you. So that is interesting to hear from your perspective. I'm not sure if that's going to be a reality. Hopeful. I'm hopeful too. I'm like, fingers crossed, please. It's concerning because again, um, you know, pre-pandemic, there were recruiting opportunities or operation opportunities everywhere. There were just thousands mm. of jobs posted. And now all of a sudden they don't have an operations budget. So what is it that you're actually, you know, providing? What services are you mm. providing if you're, you know what I mean? And to me, it seems like, okay, either they're trying to go a little bit more in a lean type of service providing platform yeah. or Maybe again, how a lot of people are saying there's one person doing the job of three people for really, really crappy pay. And when you look at it on both sides, it's us who is struggling. The person doing three people's yeah. jobs, do you think they're not going home and like, you know, tearing their cat in half or something? I mean, it's really, it's really, <laughs> really stressful. But if you have that amount of work, why aren't you hiring? And no one has the answer to that question. You can tell me to network, you can tell me to redo my yeah. resume, but look at if you're having one person do this much, why aren't you hiring? Clearly you guys need it because you mm -hmm. have the work. But for some reason, oh, salaries aren't good, or we don't we don't have the budget, or we're going to do headcount later. Excuses. That's really what I'm seeing a lot of right now. And, you know, when we try to question anyone in an executive role, it comes down, well, you're just a sub subordinate, right? Well, yeah, I'm yeah. a subordinate who's actually making this happen for you. So I think yeah. we need to change that gap and bridge that gap because Without us, there would be no high stock number. There yeah. would be no the revenue and the profits that you're making. It wouldn't be there because I don't see you C-suites doing it. I think a lot of those in C-suites are much more wiser, <laughs> if you want to, uh, meaning they've been in the industry longer. They are in that age group where, you yeah. know, they're 20, 20 30 to 30 years older than us, right? What we have to understand is they were also taught a certain paradigm, and I think because we've always done it this way in their head has worked because it worked when they were in our situation is what yeah. they're still forcing right now. And we've always done it this way. That needs to change. This is not, yeah. the, this is not the era for that anymore. And I think change is not easy. A lot of people hate that. And, you know, the older you get, you get set in your ways. But 
when it comes to the nature of business, you know, who would have thought something like Amazon would have been the greatest thing to happen? Because now why do we need to go to Macy's? We can just go online. You know what I yeah. mean? Or we can just go and order whatever we need because on Amazon because everyone is there and we're getting better prices compared to the actual, you know, brick and mortar stores that are out here yeah. and that have been established for what, 100 years now? It has to change. And that change, that is a big shift. And I think there are a few in, in the higher level positions who see this, but they're also leaving, right? They're retiring. Yeah. They're just, they don't want to deal with it. And the problem, again, is getting dropped into the next person and they don't know what to do. And this is why I keep coming back to management, because this is your guys's job to create a feasible and efficient organization that we all have work to do. We all have, we can all get livable wages. We can all impact the bottom line and keep your stock up. But that change, it seems like, I don't know, I hope it happens in my lifetime. <laughs> I'm from college and it's just been a whirlwind ever since. <laughs> you know, and I think for a lot of us like that, you know, it's just like, you know, it goes up a little bit. You're like, oh, this is great. You know, we're in a great place. And then you're like, and I get it. You know, that is just like the cycle of economics and everything like that. But it is an interesting time to be around for this particular era. Like, I'm like oh, great, the pandemic. Uh, okay, now we're, you know, inflation for everything. And, you know, like, and I also think, exactly. And I also think with the pandemic, it brought a lot of positive things to life. I know yeah. um, uh, people are a work from home, RTO yeah. hybrid. Okay, look, we were able to work from home. You guys can make it happen. A lot of what, I, what I'm seeing now is they're preferring hybrid. And again, yeah. not a lot of people can move to the Midwest or wherever it is. They are limiting their talent pool yes. big time. And then what I can tell you is getting back to that gaming company I was talking yeah. about, I had applied to them in December. The same job was wrote, uh, posted again in June. So oh this is God. another site. Yes, this is another cycle that we keep seeing that's going to keep happening. And the reason is it's hard for big organizations to say, hey, we were wrong in how we thought about, you know, having yes. our team come in or how we want to hire. And nobody likes to admit they're wrong. I know I don't. But you know what? When you do that, having to set yourself free from that guilt that you're going to carry within yourself is the best thing that you can yeah. do. Okay. And I don't understand why there is no ethical process to this because they want to, like you said, they want to blame us or they want to put everything on yeah. us. I'm going to keep People saying don't this. Work. This a, That's what they keep saying. Like, exactly. But this is a leadership problem. And then they yeah. want to say there's not enough talent. Well, when your talent pool is this big, <laughs> as opposed to what you had in the pandemic, you had the entire United States to pick from. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's a you problem. Again, you're refusing to see how robust your talent pool was, how robust your actual operations were. And it's now you're limiting yourself and everybody's mm. mad. Okay. Yeah. A hundred percent. You have so much insight. You obviously have been in the recruiting world. You're obviously a job seeker. You obviously stay abreast of everything that's going on. I think it's really important that we earn this times that people should be doing this you know these are some things that you should do even if you weren't a job seeker and you know whatever you're doing this is me learning as I get older hey I should always no matter what be looking out for myself yes. right so for you I want to make sure as we talk about you specifically and you were talking about work from home everything like that are you open to if they ask <laughs> that you go back to the office would you go are you still more like hybrid work from home what's your situation like even before we do have mass transit here in California, we have Caltrain, we have BART um, that gets us to certain parts of the area where, you know what, we don't want to commute because what I can tell you is commuting pre-pandemic, getting 
from San Jose to Palo Alto took about two hours. And that's oh maybe about 20. Yeah, maybe about 20 miles. OK, um, what I can tell you now is pre-pandemic, there was a lot of commuter benefits. They would get you a Caltrain pass or a BART pass. I don't see that anymore. And mm. my issue is I don't have a problem commuting. I, I really don't care. Gas is like five bucks, whatever. I'll find a way. I'll walk. I'll, yeah. I'll get a scooter or something. Right. But the lack of commuter benefits is mm. what's preventing a lot of people from saying, yeah, I'm going to go work in the city because driving there. Okay. I'm 40. I, I, <laughs> I do have back problems. I can sneeze and slip a disc. It's not <laughs> easy. It is not easy to commute, you know, on multiple different platforms like uh, with Caltrain or, or BART, sometimes you don't get a seat. Sometimes the trains are delayed. You know, it takes a toll on your body. And on top of that, it is the cost of all this. So pre-pandemic, I think a monthly pass was like somewhere in the hundreds. It's getting closer to the thousands now. And people cannot afford that for a monthly pass. And without these benefits, do I want to commute? No, but if I have yeah. to, Okay, but then I'm not getting paid enough because I'm spending a good chunk of my paycheck on these commuter tickets and all the things I have to pay or yeah. a fast track, which is not <clears throat> cheap. The idea of commuting now, okay, if I have to, I'll do it. But I also, yeah. when you come in to negotiate salary or you talk about, well, I have to do this and that, I've been seeing a lot of offers getting rescinded. And so again, there's something wrong here. I don't mind the commuting if it's to downtown San Jose or somewhere yeah. within the South Bay. If you're going to ask me to go to Palo Alto or San Francisco, you better have that money because it's not easy to do. Yeah. And I think that's a very valid point and also a respectable goes down to like respect people and what they have to do. One thing I was talking to my husband about, it's like, you know, these companies are, and this show is to say, you know, we know there's good companies out there. Hopefully you listen and you hear us and you are open to having us come on because all of us are here and open and ready to work uh, clearly. But it does seem like when it comes to cost of living, salary yeah. requirements, it's not us that made this cost of living. This is just the situations we are in. And exactly. therefore, we're not trying to be asked. It's not like we're asking these absurd numbers arbitrarily. These are based on, hey, to keep my lights on in my home, to have a home, <laughs> to have a vehicle to take myself or my children or whoever I have in my life to be able to get to you, you know, to work yeah. for you. These are all the and things that I need to do to have, or this is what was required of me. Exactly. And with these low wages, what I can say is pre-pandemic, we recruiters were making from $65 an hour and up. Okay. Yeah. Which was really, it helped us a lot because we didn't have to commute. We were able to save again, saving money is a, lux a luxury, but that's a whole different topic. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm seeing now is the same roles are offering way less. There was yes. another position that I did for a short time and it was only $45 an hour. I can tell was a you $20 drop right there, a $20 drop, but I was doing a way more work than what I was mm. doing at a Fang organization or even the previous organization at Leia. You know, I was the sole recruiter there, but I was getting paid for it. Yeah. And, and what I can tell you, and because this is my actual experience is okay, $45 an hour, I'll take it. But I can tell you my bank account always stayed in the negative because it just was not able. And it's not that, oh, I'm spending ex excessively. No. no, people took out loans because you know what? I, I took out a loan hoping that maybe I'll get a job within six to, six to yeah. eight months and I can cover this. 
Girl, let me tell you, that is all in the negative right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Ugh. And the salaries, the, the cost of living adjustment, I don't think it's happening. And I don't see it. To, I don't think organizations understand, like, we don't care about your profit. If you want us to come work there, we need to be able to live to get there. It's not fair for me to decide, like, oh, should I walk or drive? Because the more I drive my car, the more wear and tear. So when we do the math and we break it down, we're always going to be in debt with these really low salaries. And I don't understand why this cost, like you said, the cost of living wasn't brought done by us. This is inflation. This is the federal government making yeah. these decisions and we're SOL. And it's like, what do we do? Because having a whole entire nation in this misery just does not make sense at all. This there, there's something has to happen. And then there's always that huge gap of like the uber wealthy. And then mm. us, it's like, what is going on here? How are they getting yes. richer and we're getting poorer? And I'm telling you, I did post a, a meme about going and doing um, open house for a box. And I'm telling you, even that would be like $4,000 to live in 100%. and it's on the street. You know what I mean? And why are we all at the brink of facing that? This is not fair. This is really no. not fair, you know, and I wish orgs would see that because I get it. They say when you press olives or you press coal, you get olive oil or you get diamonds. Yeah. But you know what? What you're getting right now is just a bunch of dead bodies. It's not working. Yeah, um, I <laughs> sadly agree with you. It's terrible because it's such a reality and it's really hard to see, especially, you know, we're, there's only really one platform right now that, that you know, LinkedIn, it's great because it's like the singular platform I think most of us are on. There's not a lot right. of other ones out there. It's like, that's all we see. And you know that there has to be organizations in the background seeing it too. So it's like, if you are the good organizations, if you are open, if you're, uh, 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 you know, wanting to talk to good talent, let, please let us know. Are you being drowned yeah. out by all of us that are in misery? Like, what's the deal? Exactly. Because I'm not seeing it. I, I'm not seeing a ton of organizations to your point, And I would love to. And I think a lot of people, I know it probably overwhelmed them. Perhaps maybe that's the fear is that it would overwhelm them because then we'd all be like, let's go, you know, who <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, first one in, you know, type of thing. Uh, and I get it, you know, so, you know, privately message me first, uh, you know, or whatever you need to do. You know? But I think that's why for this show, I wanted it to be unique. And I'm really excited that you guys, you know, you and the other job seekers were open. I think for any recruiter or company out there that's, that it will listen, that is even just another edge to them, that they were open to some random strange woman's experiment that also happened to be <laughs> in the same boat, you know? And and, and we were here to obviously have our, our banter, our time to commiserate, but also say like, hey, we are these things. For you, you know, we talked about your angle, what you're open to. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add on to that? I think... A message for the leaders out there like yeah. it doesn't make sense for people to use the for organizations to apply this implicit bias who cares about a gap i mean if you're in prison that's one thing okay but yeah we aren't losing skills life unfortunately happens there's a lot of people in my age you have children you probably mm -hmm. have aging parents because i know my mom is aging yeah. it's not easy to be in this situation where you not only have to take care of yourself, but you have someone else to take care of. They also have needs and healthcare yeah. is not cheap here. Okay. And even no matter who you are, and I really hope that these organizations would reevaluate their, their recruiting process. There is a lot of great talent out there. We're jobless and they're yeah. hiring. I'm not, I'm not even going to sugarcoat this. They're hiring yeah. subpar 
quality recruiters just to get their job done. I wish it was simple enough to how a lot of people say, oh, they're reading off a script. I wish it was, okay? Yeah. Because I, if I were, it's not like we're calling about your cars. No. Technology, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're actually, we actually have to have a full on conversation. This isn't a script. I could have just, yeah. you know, read off, you know, I could have just answered whatever you wanted me to answer because, you know, we could have been a script, but this is very organic. And that yeah. is how recruiting is. And when you see these, it starts from the top, when you see these stupid ass job descriptions that are just yeah. out of compliance or they have a salary range from 50,000 to 1.4 million, That's where the hell so, do you get this number from? Yeah. You know what I mean? And the other thing is, I really hope they see that this is so out of compliance. This is so absurd and it's so overextending. Like, what are you guys looking for? Because you want yeah. all this and then you want us to do it for like 70K. Let's be real here. I really hope these organizations get to see for themselves what they want to work with them. Yeah. I don't think anyone's ever asked them that question. Would you want to work with you? There was a, a position that was being listed here at by Hope Town and it was for an account executive or, or account manager. But it, I mean, the base was just, I will say, like how you're saying 18 I mean it was around that same and I'm like and she she had inboxed me as well about it I said uh, add like 40 or 50 to that and we could talk Correct. you know type of thing and then I, I saw that role was list, still listed like 60 days later and I said hey are you sure you still don't want to increase that right because I would tell you the cost of living here although I'm not in a California or anything like that you know I'm in a southern region of Texas it's still pretty high and what yeah, you're, it is. You're, you know, because it's high everywhere now. I said, for what you're offering, that still does not correlate to a good cost of living for anyone here who has these types of experiences that you're wanting. Well, she claims that it filled, but I do still see it. So I might have to, you know, just because I just put up like, and I don't even want the job. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I'm just getting fired up for people that are seeing it. Like, you know. And I understand your point. And I've also seen a bunch of jobs, a bunch of recruiting jobs that were posted and apparently they got filled, but then why are they still being posted? You guys have, exactly. you guys have disposable income like that. Well, then what the hell? Why don't you give us more salary? Yeah. <laughs> we know it's expensive. You know, it's, we know it's expensive. LinkedIn recruiters, $10,000. Yep. LinkedIn yeah. recruiters, $10,000 for a license. Okay. And you only get about 11 jobs you can post with the light, with that license. Recruiter light, you get one job to post. Okay. Yeah. And if I, and I'm going to guarantee a lot of these organizations are running on LinkedIn Lite because who the hell has $10,000 for that? And if they do, you again, I'm going to come back and say they hired yeah. really subpar quality talent because they're not the first. This is recruiting 101. You fill the job, take it down. Why is it still yeah. a, there's a lot of talent out there who have transferable skills that these mm. orgs just refuse to look at? And again, they want this is like taken, they, they want a specific yes. set of skills, <laughs> but you know what. Right. And I think at this point, um, uh, orgs need to be not only flexible in, in work culture, but in also skill increase and upskilling. Mm -hmm. They need to be flexible here because, you know what, not every, recruiters are great at recruiting. We're also good at marketing. We're also good at, you know, mm -hmm. people operations. And I think if the org, when I was at Thrive, I got to tell you, they were so awesome. They hooked me up and got me a SHRM uh, membership. They were getting oh, ready to awesome. let me write the 
Yeah. So they were like, we want you to upskill because we see you have potential to go into recruiting operations, which is where the actual need is as yeah. opposed to you just talking to talent. Right. So that organization really saw that. And I appreciate them. Unfortunately, yeah. I got a job back in California. So it's like mm. Texas or California. I'm going to go home. Right. Yeah. But when org, but when orgs invest, like you said, within the existing talent that they have, not only are they saving a ton of money, but yeah. they're also, you know, they're building an actual career trajectory because, you know, these orgs are asking, where do you see yourself in three to five years? Exactly. Well, where do you, where do you exactly. see yourself in Hopefully three to five together, years? Hopefully together, we're together and we're flourishing. Exactly. You know? And and I think there is a huge lack of discussing career trajectory mm. because we all say it for the fluff and, oh yeah, they're going to oh, yeah. do this and do that. But when it comes down to actually doing it, they're not, and they're missing out on really, really great talent that they already have. And, you know, instead of firing a bunch of people or doing these mass layoffs or forever repeating and posting the job, yeah. the job roles again on LinkedIn, you have existing talent, train them. You have, it's yes. cheaper to go and get a sure membership than to post a job, to go through an interview, to see if this person wants it for them to just leave for better money. You're going to yeah. do the whole thing again. How do they have millions of dollars? Because it's also very expensive to fire someone. Yeah. So, it, to me. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, who's doing your accounting? Please let me, let me help. I know. Uh, I feel like I could speak with you forever. And if you're our listeners and you're listening in, thank you for hanging on. Um, you know, cause I think Smita has such good relevant <laughs> insight. And I hope that people that hear this today, if you relate, you know, let us know if you don't, we want to hear about it too. We're open. Like we want to yep. know what you think and what your experience has been like. And on that note, Smita, is there anything else that you want to add before I, uh, before I kick us out? <laughs> uh, just to yeah, just to everyone out there. I, I know this is probably redundant, but we're not alone. Okay. We, we are struggling together. It's, it's not what we all envision, but this is temporary. Okay. You guys, we will all get out of this in one way or another. The time is coming. Stay hopeful. I know we've heard this and I've even beaten myself to death, but just keep staying hopeful. Um, ensure you have that positive energy coming your way. Ensure you have a good support system. And you know what? You can find me on LinkedIn and I will definitely tell you guys, check out my network. I have a great resource of other recruiters that are have a lot of advice that can lead you to certain directions. And I really hope I get to see you guys connect with them because again, we're all in this together and we're stronger in numbers. So hopefully we'll see some change soon. So let's all look forward to getting employed soon. <laughs> yes. Oh, with that, this has been the latest episode of the layoff podcast. Stay tuned for more. The Layoff Podcast is hosted by me, Marissa Alonzo Ackerman, with production by Abel Ozuna and editing help from Lauren Lynch. Our music is by J.A.K. The views and opinions expressed in the show are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. Subscribe now so you never miss an episode. You can follow us on LinkedIn at The Layoff Podcast, and you can connect with our guests or apply to be a guest on our website at www.thelayoffpod.com. Mm -hmm.